I'm Justin Sterner with Justin Sterner Farms in Plainview, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Great to be back with you once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, I have another drought story. I know that you, as a Texas farmer and rancher, already know how bad the drought is, but I feel it's important to tell these stories because we obviously have more than just farmers and ranchers listening. So we'll feature another farmer dealing with the effects of this summer's drought coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. That new beef plant to be built in Amarillo will be under the company name Producer Owned Beef. And that company name has special meaning when it comes to how the business will operate. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Staff members from urban and rural state legislators' offices gathered to learn more about agricultural issues and priorities in preparation for the 2023 Texas Legislative Session. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from two of those staff members on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Farming and ranching in a drought is no easy task. Farming and ranching in a drought is tough right now. Probably as tough as I've seen. I've been through some droughts, but this, I think, is probably the worst one because it's been so long term. That's Robert Payne of Bosque County, who grows wheat, milo, corn, and cotton in addition to a cow-calf herd. Payne has been farming for just about 50 years, and he says he's never had a year when so many factors are working against him in addition to the drought. It's been a double impact. Usually we can survive a drought as long as everything is kosher, I guess, but this year, the inflation, the fuel, $4.50 fuel, fertilizer, I mean, it jumped from 350 a ton to nearly 1200 a ton. You have all these input costs, being optimistic to make a crop. So when you quadruple the price of the fertilizer and then you don't get a crop, that's a hit that's uh, unsustainable. Like most other Texas farmers, Payne says this year reminds him of 2011. But there is one important difference that makes this year worse. The difference in 2011 was we did have some spring rains. We actually made some crops. They weren't the best crops, but we did actually make them. This year, since we didn't have any spring rains, we didn't make a crop. Plus, as I said, the input was four times what it normally is. Payne says in 2011, he sold wheat for $8 a bushel and fertilizer was $3.50 a ton. Stack it up against this year when wheat is still $8, but fertilizer can be as high as $1,200 a ton. Or even worse, you may have a total crop failure and don't even have wheat to sell. 
Wheat growers in the Texas Blacklands and Rolling Plains faced some serious issues with Hessian fly this last growing season, and it's becoming an ongoing problem. John Fenderson is a regional agronomist with Westbred Wheat, and he says we can thank the hotter temperatures we've had the last few years for that. Well, Carrie, one thing that I can say is Hessian fly and the Blacklands and Rolling Plains of Texas have become an annual problem. Uh, we always talk about climate change, and I don't know if it's climate change or we're just having a extended period of, of uh, warm weather here. Uh, but uh, the open, warm winters and falls that we've been having have really created a problem with Hessian fly. Uh, certainly, Hessian fly has been here for a while. But the fact that we go for uh, extended periods of time in the fall without having freeze events, and I'm, I'm talking about events where the temperatures could get down well below that freezing mark to knock out the adult flies that are laying eggs that create the problem for us. Fenderson says Hessian fly is getting so bad that we're seeing complete crop failures in some areas. Last month was the hottest July ever recorded in the history of Texas. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. Looking at Texas, for the first time on record, Texas experienced a monthly average high temperature greater than 100 degrees. That's the first time that's ever happened in Texas in July. There's actually only one other occurrence of that ever happening, and that was in August of 2011 during a truly historic drought in the state of Texas. Rippey says nationwide it was the third hottest July ever recorded, trailing only the Dust Bowl year of 1936 and the drought-influenced temperatures of 2012. The new beef plant planned for Amarillo will be built by a company called Producer Owned Beef. James Hunt tells us that name has a special meaning when it comes to how this business will operate. When it comes to the Producer Owned Beef plant, which is scheduled to open in the fourth quarter of 2025, there is special significance to the company's name. The cattle that will be processed at the plant will be provided by producers who have an ownership stake in the company. Cassie Fish is the executive vice president for producer-owned beef. She explained that this business model is designed to allow the cattle producers involved to get a better return on their cattle than they typically would under the standard arrangement where animals are simply sold off to a packing plant. What our structure will allow is the producer to capture that profit on the processing side and keep that money in the state of Texas and in the region and actually to take that profit from the plant, from the processing plant, and then invest that back into the businesses that pepper the whole Texas panhandle from Hereford to Dimmit to Groover and beyond Canadian. So that's the difference. It's being able to capture that additional 100 to $200 a head profit from the packing side, the processing side, and being able to benefit from that plant ownership. Fish says it's expected that ultimately about 100 to 150 producers will be involved as part owners, with most of them being from this region. We do have folks as far away as Hawaii and even Canada, but they are required to have the cattle fed here in eastern New Mexico or the Oklahoma Panhandle or in Texas. So they can live anywhere, but the cattle need to be fed here a minimum of 100 days on feed. So this is going to bring some cattle on feed in the state. But most of the producers are from, I would say, within a couple hundred miles. Once again, that was Cassie Fish, Executive Vice President of Producer-Owned Beef. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 
It's important for those of us involved in Texas agriculture to always tell our story to the growing urban population in our state. Tom Nicoletti says that's especially important when it comes to urban lawmakers. Gladys Acosta is the legislative director for State Representative Gina Hinojosa of Austin, who represents District 49, which includes a portion of Austin. Acosta attended a legislative ag day for the purpose of learning more about agricultural issues that could be considered in the 2023 Texas legislature. So we don't necessarily have any rural area in our district, but we still consider the environment one of our big policy priorities. And so agriculture plays right into it. And so we want to learn more about what our state contributes towards the economy and the environment in terms of agriculture. Yeah, certainly your constituents are going to be pretty much urban people from Austin and Travis County. So uh, it's good to get the word out, uh, not only to them, but also to uh, Representative Hinojosa about what's going on in agriculture. Absolutely. And both of us were actually born and raised in a border town, which are known for their agriculture benefits. And so we both understand why it's important as a whole for our state economy. So when you go back to Austin and sit down with uh, Representative Hinojosa, what will you share with her about what you learned today? There's a variety of things that I'm going to talk to her about that I learned from this special event. One of them is the bee part of the program. I think that we need to increase awareness of bee production and what it brings to Texas, as well as everything relating to the property tax code. I think that other issues that I would want to learn more about include how us as an urban district can contribute more towards making it easier for rural areas to gain access and what are their policy priorities. Those comments from Gladys Acosta in the office of State Representative Gina Hinojosa. Will Ryder is the legislative director for Texas State Representative Stan Lambert, who represents both urban and rural populations. Lambert's District 71 counties include Jones, Nolan, and Taylor counties, with Abilene being the center of the district. We always hear about things in Austin, about things that need to get done. It's important to get out and kind of hear from people that really do it to get a better idea. Hearing from cattle producers, bee producers, we really kind of hear about some issues that could have some work done. And uh, I think just hearing kind of from the source issues that need some work is the most important thing that I'll take from today. So we have Abilene right there in the middle, kind of our population center, but really the rest of our district is very rural. Um, There's a lot of agriculture business that comes out of there, so it's certainly very important to our district. Most of the Texas legislature is made up of urban lawmakers, so uh, even more important for uh, your representative and others from rural areas to get the word out about uh, the importance of food and fiber production in Texas. Absolutely. It's an increasing issue as people move more to urban areas. We're going to see less and less representation from rural members, so those rural members really kind of have to stick together and make sure they get their message across to their urban members what's needed and make sure they don't forget about us out there because, you know, that's where the food, food fuel, fiber, all that comes from our district, West Texas, and other rural areas, so we have to make sure we remember that. That is Will Ryder from State Representative Stan Lambert's office. More on our next program. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Time is running out for Texas dove hunters to enter the annual Banded Bird Challenge. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And veterinarians deal with a lot of itchy dogs every single day. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas youth can expect the best in life by holding themselves to the highest standards. And the Texas Farm Bureau can help students put together the pieces that make up a successful leader. Through our Student Success Series, students in 8th through 12th grade can learn more about leadership, networking, and personal professionalism. Registration for Student Success Series is open now. Find out more information at texasfarmbureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Veterinarians deal with a lot of itchy dogs every single day. Dr. Bob Judd says he has them through his practice constantly, but many times he can't help them. Canine skin allergy or atopy is incredibly common in Texas, and the drug of choice to treat allergies has been steroids like prednisone for many decades. Prednisone is a great drug as it is inexpensive and works quickly to decrease the itch. In severe cases, prednisone is still the best choice to provide the quickest relief and decrease in inflammation in these allergy cases, as many of these dogs are miserable. However, prednisone can only be used so long as there are major side effects that can occur, including recurrent infection of the urinary tract, as well as other areas, detrimental effects on the liver and kidneys, and can even increase the chance of ruptured cruciate ligaments in the knees if used long enough. Fortunately, we have Apoquil to use in these cases instead of continued prednisone. Apoquil is an anti-inflammatory and anti-itch medication that is also immunosuppressive but does not have all the side effects like prednisone and can be used long term as it targets cytokines that lead to itching rather than affecting the entire immune system. We must decrease and control the itch in these patients both for their comfort and to prevent infection. We treat many of these cases and the recurrent skin infection that develops is due to not controlling the allergy. The infectious organisms are normal inhabitants of the dog's skin and only cause infection when the skin is damaged due to itching, licking, and scratching in most cases. There are other drugs that can also be used to control itching, but most are either more expensive or less effective than Apoquil. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Time is running out for Texas dove hunters to enter the annual Banded Bird Challenge. Jessica Domel tells how you can enter in today's wildlife report. Texas dove hunters have just a few more days to enter the annual Banded Bird Challenge hosted by the Texas Dove Hunters Association. The annual event is a research project hosted by the Dove Hunters Association to learn more about the invasive Eurasian collared dove and its habits. Bobby Thornton, co-founder of the Texas Dove Hunters Association, joins us with more. This is the year we've been waiting for. This is year five. The uh, biologist tells us we need to collect at least five years of data in order to be able to get any significant results from the research, and this will be year five, and so we'll be able to tell more about the habitat preferences of these birds, why they're moving, where they're moving, what's driving them to move. We have found already some really, really interesting results. For one of 3,800 birds, they're all released just within the state of Texas, and we still to date have never had a bird turned in from outside the state. And there's nothing that says it's Texas only on that band, so they don't know till they call. Another thing is 75 to 78 percent of the birds that are released are headed back north. It's crazy. Even those that are released down in the valley, they're headed back to the north. We collect them all, we trap them all in one area for that very reason. We want to see where they're going, those that are released, and what they call home. So. I don't know if you would call that a migratory instinct or if you would call that more of a homing instinct. 
there is a difference. And so we're really excited to see what the biologists will tell us at the end of this year when we turn the data over to them. Interested hunters must enter the challenge by August 31st to be eligible for a prize. You can enter and read this year's rules at bendedbirdchallenge.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal. Live cattle, cotton, and grains all close the day higher on Thursday. We'll take a look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, everybody. This is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, every day on the radio, I have to report on how awful everything is in Texas agriculture right now. The heat, the drought, the markets. I just can't imagine how this is making you feel as a Texas farmer or rancher. Well, if it's getting to you, I want to ask you to give some friends of mine a call. It's called the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number, 833-897-2474, Farmers and ranchers are some of the toughest people on earth, but hey, we all need help sometimes. If you just need somebody to talk to in these tough times, Give them a call, 833-897-2474, or if you can't write it down, go to farmlifehelp.com. Do me a favor, don't wait, call them today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Live cattle closed higher in Thursday's trade, but the feeder cattle market couldn't hang on in the face of rising grain prices. It closed lower. August live cattle up a dollar forty at one forty sixty. October up sixty two cents at one forty five ten. The December up thirty seven. 15107. Feeder cattle were lower. August down 72 cents, 179.95. September feeders down 40 at 184.60. October down 32, 186.85. One reason we may have seen that upswing in the live cattle market was because of a stronger cash trade this week. We've got reports of sales here in the South at 139 to 140. That's fully three to four dollars higher compared to last week. Up north, we've seen live sales range anywhere from 144 to 146. Dress prices 228 to 232 in the north. Boxed beef was higher on Thursday. Choice up 49 cents at 263.72. Select up a dollar 61. 238.69. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Let's do this one today. It's old Doug Bass, Cattleman's Brenham. They sell them every Friday down there in Washington County. Doug Bass, how did you sell them this week? We ended up 1,352 headed cattle. Doug, let's walk the pins. Yes, sir. On your way in cows, your thinner, lower yielding cows mean 35 to 62. Better, higher yielding cows, 65 to 88. Uh, lower yielding, thinner bulls, 60 to 83. Your better bulls bring 90 to 106. Few breads, bread cows bring anywhere from 600 to 1150. Calf market, your two to three weight steers bring 145 to 225. Peppers bring 140 to 220. Three to four weight steers bring 140 to 217. Heifers bring 135 to 177. Four to five weight steers bring 135 to 196. Heifers bring 130 to $2. 
five to six weight steers bring buck and a quarter to 178. Heifers bring 120 to 173. Six to seven weight steers bring 115 to 171. <clears throat> Heifers bring 110 to 156. Seven to eight weight steers bring 110 to 165. Heifers bring 105 to 130. And your 800 to 1,000 pound steers and bull yardings bring 90 to 145. Heiferettes bring 90 to 134. What you got in the works for this week, Doug? They sure coming. Uh, we, we've got some traps full of cattle. Got lots of calls. Looks like we'll have a pretty good run this week again. Uh, tell you what, we've sure got some good cattle coming. I, I am seeing some lighter calves show up from the dry weather. I think some people are pulling some calves a little early, but uh, for the most part, uh, everything looks good. We've got should have a pretty good selection this week. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for this Friday sale at Cattleman's Brenham. Yes, sir. Y'all can sure call me on my cell, 979-877-4454. Our call is here at the office, 979-836-3621. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Y'all have a good week. Thank you, Doug. And neighbor, you have a good week. We'll see you back tomorrow for more Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs closed higher on Thursday. August hogs up 15 cents, 122.40. October hogs up 22 cents at 101.07. Class 3 milk closed lower. August milk up a nickel, 2008. While September milk was down 14 cents, 2007, 100 weight. It looks like the cotton trade has finally gotten the message that we have an absolutely horrible cotton crop here in Texas. That has helped to run cotton prices up sharply this week. The market actually hit limit up at one point on Thursday. We backed it off a bit before the close with October cotton up 369 points, 110.44. December cotton up 365, closing at 104.59. Dry weather in the Corn Belt continues to support corn prices. September corn up another eight cents on Thursday, six twenty-nine and a quarter. December corn up nine and a quarter, six twenty-seven and three quarters. The fourth day of higher closes in the wheat market with September Kansas City wheat up sixteen and a half, eight eighty-nine and a quarter. New crop July up fifteen and a quarter, eight ninety and a quarter. On the soft wheat, September was up 11 cents, 8.10 and 3 quarters. New crop July up 6 and a quarter, 8.49 a bushel. In the energy market, September natural gas up 67 cents at 8.87. September crude oil up 235, 94.28 a barrel. The financial markets were narrowly mixed on Thursday afternoon. The Dow up 14 points, 33,323. The NASDAQ down 69, 12,785. The S&P down 2 at 4,207. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet. Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.